0: Banter on the board with your host Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter is as ferocious as Colorado sweep of those Edmonton Oilers, man. Ah, poor Allie, not getting it this round.
1: And I also just kind of love that, like, Alberta as a a province was so pumped for hockey a week and a half ago, and now nobody wants to talk about it at all. It's like hockey's done for the season out here. (laughs)
0: Well, yeah, man. Uh, Calgary gets eliminated by Edmonton, which was probably like the heat and pinnacle of Alberta hockey. Absolutely. And then I think the letdown from that is probably why they just got swept so easily. Considering the fact that McDavid and Drysaddle combined for something ridiculous like 65 points, like, was just unbelievable. I can't believe they got eliminated that quickly. But, hey, man, I've talked about him before. That kid, Kale McCarr. Uh, fourth time in the NHL history that a defenseman has recorded nine points in a in a four game sweep of a team, and second time for him in this playoffs, which is
1: <laughs> uh, Bobby Orr like. They're doing okay. exactly what you said they would do, Matt. I mean, you you mentioned it and we talked about how the fact that this was just going to be a, a series of goals, it was just going to be offense going hard all the time and. I mean, that's what we saw, like, watching that game four, like, there was so much hope back and forth for Edmonton, but they just couldn't pull it together at the end, and the avalanche looks so scary.
0: Man, they're a good team, people have been predicting them to win the Stanley Cup for two, three years now, Um, I think this is finally their time, I think uh, the New York Rangers are probably going to get past the Tampa Bay Lightning for some reason, I just have have a weird feeling about it, and... Colorado's going to be able to to solve uh, you know, Shosturkin. That guy though, he is making Vasilevsky look bad at the position because he is just phenomenal right now. This man, killing it for New York.
1: I mean, I know Lightning fans were pumped to be able to come back to B2-2 at this point. You know, nobody's lost yet at home, but Game Five is going to be a big deal. It's going to be exciting and yeah you gotta feel i mean do you feel bad for vasilevsky getting shown up a little bit like you know this is kind of how it happens over time you know people get older
0: yeah he's not even that old i honestly think that vasilevsky as great of a goaltender as he's been i think he's also slightly overrated because of the team that he plays behind um i would love to see him on some of those poorest montreal Canadiens teams and and if he was were able to keep up the kind of statistics that Carey Price did, but hey, that's just me being a Carey Price uh, fanboy and uh, being a Vasilevsky hater. Uh, you know, the guy wore oversized pads last year. We just gotta get that in there.
1: Oh, I remember <laughs> talking about the oversized pads. Too good. Madeline, still never be upset. Classic Canadians fan. We love it, though. That's what we're here for. That's what we want. But yeah, it is really looking like the Rangers, if they can make it happen, they're gonna get through it. I mean, we talked about it. The Rangers is the more exciting matchup for the Avalanche. Because, you know, I think everyone's even talking about it, that Tampa Bay might just roll over if they end up getting through.
0: Yeah, I think if they got through, three-peating is so difficult. They're missing, you know, Brain Point, who's probably their best playoff player. Yeah. Um, It's just going to be a tough one for them, man. But, yeah, I think think Colorado's probably taking it home this year.
1: Uh, But we'll see. Still a lot of hockey left to be played. It's crazy, right? But... We'll roll over into our takes from last week. Matt's just itching to talk about how he knows exactly what's going on. He's the true mastermind of basketball. I mean at least Golden State got a win for me, so it's not three oh. At least it's two one just for the wrong team in my mind.
0: Hey man, uh you still have a shot at at you know, GS holding home court advantage through the four games. They could they could win tomorrow night and let's hope you know steal home court back, but man, I was totally right about Boston stealing game one. Uh, After three quarters, I was about to text you and tell you that I am absolutely horrible at takes and that I don't know basketball whatsoever, but Jalen Brown saving my rear end and, and getting it going in the fourth quarter and I couldn't believe the dominance that they showed in Game 1.
1: It has been a very interesting series. If you were just looking at stats, you have no idea what the storyline of this series has been going on. Like It has been back and forth a classic chess match, which we'll get into. I want to take one little step back before we break down this series, because Matt knows I love talking about coaches. I think coaches are the most important part in the league for certain teams. You know, if you're LeBron James, who needs a coach, but the rumors that we discussed last week about Quinn Snyder have become true he's officially stepped down as the Utah Jazz's head coach kind of left field for some people the organization was ready to keep Quinn on ready to keep going and chugging with the eight seasons or so I think that he's had so far and man Utah's in an even weirder place considering the conversation that we were already having about their roster and now they have to find a coach oh poor Utah fans
0: I think it just means that they need to blow it up man um at this point, I heard some people talking about moving the team, which I don't necessarily OB. agree with. Um, they're just gonna have to have to find some some new players, some homegrown talent. Um, giving up Donovan Mitchell is probably gonna be really tough for them. But if they can get a haul of assets back, maybe hit on you know a couple of those yeah. draft picks, um, and restart their team. Because at the end of the day, we know what their ceiling is. We've seen it. Um, you know, I talk about our ceiling with Fred Van Vliet and, and Pascal Siakam, and that's what happens when you get you know, second-tier caliber stars in this league. And that's what those players are. I, it's not a knock on them. I mean, they're great players. They're you know, considered elite players in the NBA, top 50 players easily. But when it comes to true stars and, and really pushing that needle, they're just a, a step below where you need to be
1: they're definitely not there. We've seen it in the past few years in the playoffs. They just keep falling short. And sometimes the best solution of that is to gain assets off of the players that aren't seemingly working together in the playoffs because obviously we cannot forget the the you know the regular season success that this team has had, but It'll be interesting, right? And I feel like we've we've beaten a dead horse on Utah about where Mitchell's going to go, where Colbert's going to go. Like, hopefully, it's not a Raptors situation because, as absolutely, we, know, we don't we don't want it at this point. So it'll be interesting what teams reach out. The more interesting question that I want to bring up is Quinn Snyder's future, right? Because he's going to take a year away from from coaching, and he's going to come back as an extremely desirable coach. Now, there's always going to be teams that are available and as an option. My question to you, Matt, is I've been talking about Popovich's retirement for years. Alright? Is this potentially that step? Does Pop have one final season and then Quinn Snyder, a successful coach, can come in and lead a new Spurs generation? That's kinda of where my brain is going on this decision making.
0: I kinda love that, man. I d I don't think I've ever thought about that, but that was that was a really good take. I think, you know, Popovich maybe has one more season in him, and, and if Quinn Snyder wants to step into a successful organization like that, that's probably one of the better landing spots for him. Because, you know, I'm I'm out here thinking about the bottom of the table and, and maybe, yeah. like, the lower-tier teams. Maybe a team like the Indiana Pacers in a, in a year. Uh, maybe they figure out how to build around Tyrese Halliburton. Um, but... Yeah, man, it's gonna be you know like you said a year from now, so a lot can change, and there's gonna be a lot on the table. Yeah. But he's definitely gonna be a sought after coach when he does decide to come back.
1: That's it, right? Like he's gonna definitely be wanted. Like you think about all these teams that would love to have a coach that has a one a winning percentage with a team and two has a a long sample size for that. Like it's eight years, and that's why I say he could be that replacement because. San Antonio has to be thinking about it, right? They have to be thinking about the next step. But POP has been there for so many years. And if you're an organization that knows how to work around a coach for X amount of years, even generations at this point, you want to bring somebody in who could be there for— you could give them a four-year contract and not worry that they're going to let you down, potentially, right? So that's why I'm just seeing it as potentially the right fit.
0: Yeah, man, absolutely. I think— um, when you have a coach that's been successful, maybe not to the degree that you'd want to, because everybody obviously wants to win championships. Absolutely. Um, you got you got to ride with that. Um, I think some of the the worst things a franchise can do is cut bait with you know uh, coaches, execs a little bit too early because they're getting impatient. Um, I think you know cutting bait with those kinds of guys are it's better a year late, whereas I think cutting bait with players is definitely a year early.
1: Uh, and Matt's on it with the money right there. But that's enough talk about the Jazz. I'm sure there will be conversations about them this summer with the crazy stuff that they've got to figure out their future. Let's roll back into the NBA Finals. Wherever you want to take it, Matt, let's talk about these series because thankfully it's 2-1. We've had good games, even a little bit of blowouts. What's on your mind, my friend?
0: Well, I think, I mean, if we're going to take it back to Game 1, man, Steph Curry coming out like a freaking man on a mission six threes in the first quarter was absolutely on fire had 21 points going into that and yeah they just kind of fell off i mean boston was never really that far down boston was always in the game clawing fighting keeping within striking distance and then that fourth quarter when after the third quarter, you thought it was over. I mean, Golden State had their patented third quarter out of the locker room.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Mojo going, and and Jalen Brown said, "Nah, guys, uh, Jason, you you might not have it tonight." And I get that, my guy, but watch me do because I'm I'm your boy, I'm your running mate, and I got this.
1: The guy hit some impressive shots and had some big "I'm the guy" moments in a closing out situation, in coming back in a game one on the road. Jalen Brown has been extremely impressive. But I can't not talk about Game 1 without bringing up Big Al Horford, the legend. There's memes all over the internet of them showing the Big Al picture beside the LeBron in Miami photo. Like, the guy went 9 for 12, 6 from 8, from 3 for 26 points. I commented a couple weeks ago, the guy's going from 14 million to maybe 25 million with a, with a situation here. It's the It's like the big hurrah for Big Al, and I'm so happy to see it for the guy.
0: Honestly, man, he has been such an integral part of this run. Um, what he was able to do to Giannis in Game 4, oh, yeah. um, like, they wouldn't be here without that. They wouldn't be here without that great performance in Game 1. Um, he, to me, is a better Draymond Green. Um, who can hit the three. That's what he's providing this team. Uh, And that's what they need. And he's been great. And the fact that they also have Derek White, who played out of his mind in game one and and seems to be very comfortable in this series playing against this Golden State team. He's like their sixth option, man. And they're just too deep and too strong for Golden State. I think we're seeing that when Boston puts their head down, they win the game. Go, like game two, Boston kind of was lackadaisical. They came out, they came out strong, you know, mm. and, and we were leading the fr- the first quarter until they weren't. Like right at the last second, they were winning the the second, the first half until they weren't right at the the end. And then Golden State punched them in the mouth with their third, patented third quarter again. I mean, oh, we've yeah. seen three games, three third quarter punches by Golden State, but Boston's been able to counter too. They just you know, kind of gave up in game two and and rested their guys and said, we're going to take it back home.
1: Boston's really just been a wave in this series, you know, back and forth, back and forth. They were down in game one until the greatest thing that I think I've ever heard. Apparently, Adoka in a huddle just tells these guys, you're getting punked out there. You're getting punked. Is this how you want to go out in game one in the series? And then they had their fourth quarter. And I'm like, man, for a coach to have that type of connection with his players to be able to say that to them and know that it's going to actually put a fire onto them. Like I'm so like I don't even know how to feel because obviously I can't be happy for Boston because they they're the Celtics, but I'm excited for the individual players, the coaches, the things that we're seeing out of this roster because Boston has proved that they that they're here to play and that they want to win and now they're two games, they're two wins away from lifting the trophy at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, and I think what you what you said about udoka being able to light a fire underneath his team is is spot on you know um he's playing a master in steve kerr who who's been able to get his players to play you know this amazing style of basketball and this free-flowing offense but udoka has figured out what his team and his players need to do to beat it um I think being a former player, I think being a younger coach um, really gives him that connection to these players, and, and you're right, he's pushing all the right buttons, he's making all the right moves. Um, having Time Lord in Game 3 helped out so much, having a healthy Time yeah. Lord, because he just neutralizes Golden State on the inside, and then they become a three-point jump shooting team, and as you know, great of shooters as they have... You still need to be able to score on the inside in order to to win the game at the end of the day.
1: You know, I I watched a really interesting video about the three-pointer and how it affected the NBA and how it changed things and how a lot of people don't like it and think that it's unfair and it has an advantage. And I'm sitting over here thinking, well, the problem is is you're not thinking about the three-pointer as what it can create throughout the whole game you're just thinking of the three-pointer as a shot that gives you more points than a two-pointer does right but the three-pointer opens up the game it creates so much but you still need your inside presence and robert williams provides that size advantage that you just can't be stopped the offensive rebound he got over draymond late in that game last night before slamming it home on top of him like man draymond probably thought about doing a podcast and then he remembers that clip and he's like no i can't do it that's that was not okay like it has been really good to see Robert Williams healthy and active. You know, Grant Williams also has been fantastic. The Celtics just have more. Doka just has more to work with, and Steve Kerr's gonna have to scramble in this series to try to pull this back because Golden State it is slipping away for the Matt and I mean, Matt knows i already talked about it at the beginning of this. I'm ready to flip. I'm ready to just believe in Boston. You know, I, I don't like the Celtics. I can't ever cheer for the Celtics. But Boston and their players right now I'm I'm pretty impressed with.
0: Look, man, you know I don't want to be cheering for the Celtics. (laughs) I just, I watched the NBA. I watched the season. I knew that the East was a better conference. We watched that Milwaukee-Boston series, and we both discussed how that was basically the finals right there, that the winner of that series was going to go on to win the championship. And don't get it twisted. If Milwaukee had gotten past Boston, they would be up on Golden State as well. And if they had Chris Middleton, they probably would have easily gotten past Boston and probably would be up 3-0 on Golden State, because I honestly don't think Golden State has a championship level roster. I really don't. I think the fact that Dallas got as deep into the playoffs as they did shows that it was a weaker conference, because they honestly only had one player to play through, and I think that's also why we're seeing people kind of disparage Wiggins in this series and saying that, like, oh, he's back to the Minnesota Timberwolves Wiggins as opposed to the Golden State Wiggins that we saw in, in, you know, the conference finals. He only had to worry about one guy. When he's shutting down Jason Tatum and he's doing, you know, arguably a pretty good job of slowing Jason Tatum down, Boston just has too many players to beat them.
1: It's, it's the beauty of matchups, right? It's why I'm now realizing how easily Giannis probably would have got a championship against this Golden State team, because we talk about Time Lord not being able to stop on the inside. Well, what about the best player in the NBA inside? Like, this is why it's so important to value matchups, to think about what players you have, and it's why versatility has become so important in the NBA, and Boston has that. They have the versatility in their players, and it's going to come down to staying healthy and keeping that consistency and i mean we haven't seen enough from jason tatum obviously matt matt and i both believe that Jalen brown is a step above tatum right now with what he's been doing the fourth quarter antics of Jalen brown is undeniable uh, undeniable the way he went at draymond green yesterday in that game three like draymond finished with like four points a couple of rebounds couple assists but like he was responsible for a lot of buckets and definitely a few turnovers so it's really going to come down can they stay healthy and is Kerr going to be able to find his weapons because they exist on that team but Boston has neutralized them so well that they haven't been able to shine through we haven't seen Poole do enough we haven't seen the rest of the bench show up so it's going to be a tough one
0: I I agree that you know the rest of their team is going to need to show up and and fill out um But I I don't think Golden State's going to be able to do it, man. I I just don't. I think, you know, the fact that Tatum has had these poor games, these three games to start, and it's been on the back of the team's second superstar Mm -hmm. is indicative of the fact that, well, if, you know, we play the averages, if we watch, you know, what is going to happen and over the course of the series, if Jason Tatum regresses back to, you know, his usual form, Golden State's not going to have a chance. Um, You know, the fact that Jalen Brown has more points and rebounds than Jason Tatum in this series doesn't bode well for Golden State. Um, The fact that they're down 2-1 after these three games doesn't bode well for them. And I think it's just at this point, you know, Jalen Brown is probably my finals MVP and people are probably going to give it to Jason Tatum by the end of it because Jason Tatum's going to have, you know, you would think a nuclear game like he did against Giannis in game six um, to maybe end the series. But, man, at this point, Jalen Brown has been way more impactful and way more important to the team's success than Jason Tatum has, in my personal opinion.
1: We've really witnessed a back and forth between the teams, and Jalen Brown has stepped up and been the important factor. The worry that Matt and I have is that, you know, this series is going to come down to a deciding factor, and Jason Tatum is finally going to have that one big game, and the media is like, oh, yeah, finals MVP Jason Tatum, he did it! And Jalen Brown's going to be in the corner like, guys, I averaged like 30 points in this series almost. Like, blah, blah, blah. You know? So hopefully he gets his flowers. I mean, when you look at this Boston team, you have to give every player their flowers. And that's why the media narrative is going to be, while you give their best best player tatum the award at the end but really every single member has been a key piece you know Derek white out here having a child showing that fred van vliet was not an anomaly like if i was hearing a joke the other day like you know nba players the season starts you know nine months before you might be in the finals i'm just throwing that out there you know right before the season begins get it going but it's really important that every player shows up for these teams and like we've said boston just i think has more players and they're going to win.
0: They have more players that can consistently show up too, right? Like Draymond passed his prime. Steph passed his prime. Clay passed his prime. Poole hasn't entered his prime yet. Andrew Wiggins is their only guy in the middle of his prime that gets good minutes. Him and Kevin Looney, and at the end of the day, they're not the players that you're most heavily leaning on to win this series. Whereas... Time Lord, Smart, Brown, Tatum, Grant Williams, you know, all those guys are in the meat of their career, and those are the guys that you're going to lean on, Derek White, um, you know, yes, you're going to lean on Horford every once in a while, but as your sixth option, fifth option, yeah, he can be old, he can, you know, do, he's basically doing what Draymond did in his prime for the Golden State, for, you know, Boston at thirty-six and that's why like the whole context of players who make you know hall of fame bids and who are considered these all-time players like yeah i bet you you would be shocked to know that or not shocked but you would be weirded out the fact that al horford has made way less money like hundreds of millions of dollars less in the nba than draymond green one on one one player for one player i will take Al Horford every day of the week, and I will argue with you that if you replace Al Horford with Draymond Green on those Golden State teams, you're getting multiple championships anyways.
1: And my favorite part about this debate is it's the classic, Matt's favorite debate is the classic, like, you have the right team situation versus you are the right player, potentially, right? The Jordan-LeBron debate, but, I mean, the classic, you know, you take two best players, you compare them with their prime, and you go, one's gotta be better than the other, and I'm looking at Al Horford, and I'm like, you can almost compare them at any age in their career. And, you know, as long as they're at the same points, Horford might be better. And he's had to overcome a lot more in both of our opinions over here. So, I mean, I, Matt, Matt knows I'm pumped for big Al. So yeah, let's just l- always bring up big Al to the top. I'm a happy man.
0: Man. The fact that he's going to make so much money off this, <sighs> uh, NBA finals win is, is great for him. And it's deserving. Um, you know, there's a lot of media talk about him now being able to make the Hall of Fame because of this, and I think he's probably deserving of it with the career that he's put forth. You know, as the number one player on all those Atlanta Hawks teams that
1: yep. went,
0: you know, into the playoffs as the number one seed, and unfortunately, he came up against LeBron a bunch. So, you know, you're not going to win that matchup too often. Uh, I think it's it's great for him to be able to show that right now if you had built a team around him properly throughout his prime maybe he wouldn't be a 1 but he definitely could have been a 2 because right now at 36 years old he's like a 3 4 on this team like some nights and he's doing everything in his power to get this this championship
1: and that's kind of like the the beauty and also the the kind of chaos of the NBA right is that there is so much potential for any of these players that when it really comes down to it these guys have to come in and find their role find their situation in the nba and it's only when a team comes together or you buy your way with enough talent or you get lucky and get lebron james are you going to be able to go all the way it takes so many factors so many steps and you know people are mad at golden state that you know they pay so much money and that they earn this luxury tax bill and that it's not fair and it's like well they drafted all these guys and now they have to pay them because they got older if boston takes this team that they have drafted and brought together completely they could have a golden state like situation and when we talk in five six years it's the same conversation right so you, you have to not like anytime I hear things like that, I know that it's not coming from a basketball fan. It's coming from somebody who's in the media or somebody who just wants to cause a ruckus because at the end of the day, how can you not just be happy that we're getting good basketball regardless of what people have to pay to make their teams?
0: Yeah, and honestly, like they they built it from the draft like you said, you know Steph Curry, homegrown, Clay Thompson homegrown, Draymond Green homegrown. And people were you know clamoring for them to break that up. They they had trades you know on the table for Kevin Love that included Klay Thompson and yeah. also included Draymond Green. Steph Curry had basically been traded to the Milwaukee Bucks, but because of the medical staff's concern over his ankle injuries, he didn't get traded. Um, you know, people wanted to break up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and they they didn't, and this is where they are. So. I think it's, it's great for the NBA to have that. I, I love the fact that they allow teams to go into, you know, cap penalties and luxury taxes with their own players. Like, I wish the NHL would do that. Mm-hmm. I think it, it'd be more fair and, and definitely a, you know, competitive balance for the teams that draft well. Because you have, that's part of the, the whole point of being a general manager is you have to find the right players and you have to fit them in together. Um, so I think, you know, like finding Jordan Poole, for Golden State was great because he plays a very similar style to Steph Curry and so Steph Curry can mentor him and now Jordan Poole can come in and be effective in Steph Curry's absence is Jordan Poole ever going to be Steph Curry no is he ever going to reach that kind of stardom no But he can be an effective player in the right situation. But that's why it's kind of shocking that he hasn't been this effective, man. Outside of Game 2, when he kind of went berserk from 3, watching Steph Curry, um, he's been an absolute non-factor and definitely a negative for the Golden State Warriors while he's on the floor.
1: I felt bad watching him in Game 3 because he was scared. He wasn't doing his usual things. He had one or two really sweet moments but he honestly looked like he he didn't know what he wanted to be doing out there. And that wasn't great for Golden State, who needs all of their players to step up, right? You know, Draymond's, Draymond's comments after Game 1, well, these players, that player, they're not going to hit this many threes, blah, 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 blah. Cool. This is the NBA Finals, okay? It doesn't matter who hits what when. At the end of the day, if you put up more points than your opponent, you're going to win the championship. That's how it works. And Boston has the advantage of being the best defense in the league. Now, Golden State has a great defense, as we've discussed. Top five. But they are at a disadvantage. It's just a fact. Especially when you're dealing with the potential injuries that dealt with your chemistry. This, that, and the other thing. When Boston is fully healthy and their guys are ready to play, it's not really fair. It's not really fair for Golden State. And we're going to see a game six player. We're going to see another great Curry performance. You know, Wiggins might be able to find an answer and, and, and do something offensively. And maybe Poole goes off for 21. But when you think about the fact that Boston stole home court advantage already, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is just one game, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But if that's going to happen, Boston's going to win. Golden State's not going to steal anything. The pattern will remain consistent. Because that's what good coaches can provide. They can provide a chess match that allows you to win a game back and forth to change up your strategy to find the answer. But when you're facing another coach on the other side that can do the exact same thing, how can you theory craft every single night to have the right answer for the right situation? That's why I'm still hoping for a good series, right? And we've had three pretty good games at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, they've I, they've all been competitive through the first half at least, which you were kind of lacking in the conference finals for sure. But I I think it just when you line them up, you know, player against player. Boston has more advantages just across the board. You, you know, they, they can put out a longer lineup. They can put out a, you know, a twitchier lineup. They can put out, um, you know, a, a shooting lineup. They can, they can you know, like you said, versatility is massive in the NBA, and they've got that throughout their roster, whereas Golden State is really, really reliant on the three-point jumpers. And at the moment, I know Clay had a good game last night, but at the moment, it's really Steph Curry who you can depend on, and everybody else isn't that guy. I mean, when Otto Porter Jr. is like your counter punch and what, probably one of your more impactful players through three games, yeah, like you're not doing something well in the finals with the type of roster and and player pedigree that they have.
1: I mean, 31 points from Curry, 25 from Clay. You still lose by 16. It doesn't matter how many points you put up total, apparently, in this series. It's about when you do it and where the momentum can be gained and lost. And so Game 4 is going to be massive. You know, We're on the horizon for Friday night's game. There's only one day between it. They're giving them a little bit of rest. They're, maybe Golden State will be fresher for the... I'm just making jokes about it now. NBA, what are you doing with your scheduling? But Game
0: 4 is going to be It was be the big. worst schedule I've oh, ever man. seen in my life. I have no idea why we aren't going to get a Saturday night NBA finals game. Um, That makes no sense to me whatsoever, but hey, man, they did it the way they did it.
1: (laughs) It is what it is. And yeah, with game four on the horizon, it's going to be a big deal. I'm really hoping that it makes it to game six, because if Boston just wins the next two games, we're going to be talking next week about a championship, and that's just not as exciting as talking about Boston getting one more chance to potentially beat Golden State down. But yeah, Game Four is gonna be big, man. I'm excited for it. I'm I'm hoping for a nice big match. You know, one twenty, one eighteen, maybe something with a lot of numbers. But at the end of the day, it's gonna be tough for Golden State.
0: Uh, I just I can't see Golden State coming back because I don't think they have enough. It's not that I don't you know believe in the fact that Steph Curry could drop a forty point game or or Clay Thompson could do that. I just think the likelihood of it happening is a lot smaller than the likelihood of Boston continuing to do what they've done through this series. Like I'll, I'll give it to you, man. Like, okay, Steph Curry, maybe over Marcus smart. Um, but not, you know, offensively and, and impacting the game defensively. Marcus Smart does such a great job. Um Clay Thompson, not even close to Jalen Brown right now. Not even close. Jason Tatum over Andrew Wiggins every single day of the week and twice on Sunday. I would take Al, I would take Al Horford over Draymond Green right now. And Time Lord and Kevin Looney, Time Lord's a better player. So you guys got Steph Curry, but they've got the next four, maybe even five players in this series in terms of impact and importance. And that's what's gonna really shift it. Like, at the end of the day, they just like we've we've talked about this, we beat a dead horse at this point. Golden State just doesn't have the players, doesn't have the roster. You know, maybe if you know Kaminga was two, three years older and and Wiseman was healthy and, and Moody was there, maybe they'd have it, but at this point, not at all.
1: You know, Golden State fans can look to the dynasty of the past and hope that the experience might pull them a little bit and might allow them to get this win through the series. But what we've seen, you know, in the past few years since, you know, since the Raps really won in 2019 is it's almost a, a turning of the tide in the NBA. We're really starting to see the next generation of stars come out and and really show forth so unless Golden State has you know one more lucky loony in their bag it's looking like Boston is about to dethrone a dynasty and put it to bed because Golden State after the showing here yeah you might be competitive but like they talk about how the Phoenix Suns window might be closed the Miami Heat's window might be closed guess what the next conversation is going to be
0: Golden State's window closing man Um, Yeah, I I think most of the windows that are getting open right now are in the Eastern Conference. Um, They're with teams that are, you know, growing organically as opposed to through trade markets and stuff like that. And I think that's why, if I'm going to roll into Raptors chat here, you know, why we've got to keep OG and why we've got to run this team back. Um, You know, our AGM came out and he said that, you know, OG isn't unhappy that he's not going to address those comments because they don't deserve to be addressed and that we sh- that you know we're probably not going to make any big moves and at the end of the day i think that's fine for where we are i think i was you know i just compared golden state to boston the raptors against boston i think have a better shot in terms of beating them in a seven game series than i do the golden state warriors just because we match up with them pretty well Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's also the beauty of the NBA, right? It's you talk about matchups, you talk about versatility, you talk about the importance of having the players that you need, and that's why we love the kind of situation that the Raptors are in. Yes, we missed out this year. Yes, we got beat out in the first round, but we have a bunch of young guys that are ready to work together to make this step to go all the way now i'm not going to make this comparison as if it's going to happen for the raptors but didn't the celtics lose in the first round last year just throwing that out there so it's going to be really important to watch our team grow and come together scotty at media day you know on boston's court you know you could see him looking around realizing how badly he wanted to be there you know and i'm hoping that that transfers from how badly i want to be there to how hard i'm going to work to make that happen so that i'm there and to bring in our own circle to talk about OG, like we've, the last few weeks, you know, when you, when you, when you get out of the playoffs, you have the, what can we do? How can we fix it? What's the next step? And we've settled down a little bit and we're here now thinking, you know, the inklings of if the perfect trade comes around, yes, you jump on it. No problem. We've had the conversation about that the last few weeks, but now I'm of the realization that, yeah, you know, let's run it back. Let's see what these boys can do. There's always going to be an option later down the line and they're young, and they've got a fire under them, Matt. I think the team is ready for the next step.
0: Yeah, I I would 100% agree with you, man. And I think you're looking at the Boston Celtics being the NBA champions, at least in our opinions, that's what's going to happen. Um, and their roster, in terms of construction, is comparable to our roster in terms of construction. We are moving away from a, you know, guard like smaller and big heavy team to a more versatile wing team and that's what boston does that's what we're gonna have and and i'm so in for it man like pascal siakam OG and and scotty barnes i think are three of the best wings and definitely the best three wings on a single team in the nba Like I don't think you could put together three wings on a team in the NBA and say that you're confident that they're better than the three Raptors players right there, and then you throw in Precious who can play a little bit of center. Um, You know we're deep there, and I think that's why for for me I think we got to nip around the edges. We got to you know find a way to plug our holes through you know back end deals, guys who have maybe bounced around the league a little bit. you know, and, and hopefully with our own player growth development. Because, you know, Delano Benton and Justin Champagny last year, um, they were amazing in the G League. And Justin Champagny's, you know, three point numbers was specifically something that we need. I mean, forty percent on over six attempts a game. Like, I'll take down the Raptors, man. like we need that. Um, and if he can you know, be a serviceable backup for you know Fred VanVleet and Gary Trent Jr. next year, I think that's just going to add to our, our team and, and push our win total even further forward.
1: It's all about improvement at the end of the day. We just want to get better. And you think about the turns that Boucher and Precious made after the All-Star break, the mentality changes that went through these players, and the hope is that that will push them into next season to have the physical change in their game, to have the aspects of their game improve and if we can bring in the right pieces if we can find the right answers if we can finally hit on a shooter you know i was joking with matt third time's the charm you know matt thomas wasn't the answer svima hilek wasn't the answer round three maybe we'll see but it's so hard To find a consistent 3 and D shooter. The fact that Danny Green has been one of the best 3 and D role-playing shooters in the NBA the past few years and he still gets clowned about how bad some of his shots are sometimes like it is hard to find the right player but the Raps can do it and even if they don't do it the core that we have if they can all find the little bits of improvements in their game to fill the holes I can see us repeating our success for this season and maybe being able to take the next step in the playoffs if the right matchup comes around. Because as we've beaten to a horse today, all all day, all conversation, matchups really, really matter and you have to prepare yourself accordingly for those matchups.
0: Absolutely, man. And that's why I think, you know, if we can get Justin Champagny to develop um the way that we want him to and to hit the threes that we want him to, and he's our next guard player with Delano and Malachi also Taking a little bit of a step forward Um, I think Gary Trent Jr.'s defense Is going to be even better next year Precious's defense is going to be even better next year Um, That we're Definitely going to get there And so what kind of leaves Me lacking in our roster is a Center and you I've said it probably a hundred times on this show Now you know I want Christian Coloco At that 33 overall pick I know he's staring us in the face I don't necessarily want to draft him and stick him directly into the NBA right away. I think that would, you know, maybe stunt his development a little bit. Maybe um, maybe he'd be, you know, serviceable for us and he'd definitely move our needle a little bit and give us, you know, some great minutes, but I think it would hurt his development overall. Yeah. And that's why I look at a guy like Moses Brown on the Cleveland Cavaliers, who's seven two, who is kind of redundant on that roster when you talk about Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Laurie Markkinen, you know, he probably doesn't necessarily fit into their plans of the future. Mm. Could we steal him as an RFA to kind of fill that role while we develop Coloco in the G League?
1: It's it's fun that you bring it up because, you know, I think about it as the type of situation where a team is like, you know, we don't really need that. You can go to a team that needs you and while Ken Birch is not a comparable player, it's the exact same situation because he was on Orlando and Orlando was like, we're not really relevant. Uh, we have young guys that we want to develop, go somewhere to be good. Right. And so that's why he could be a a perfect potential player to come in. But I agree with you, the idea that we don't want to ruin any draft picks. We don't want to ruin any, any kids coming into the league right away and just say, Hey, go do this for us. We're an important team. We're a good team. We're going to try to get wins. You know, it's the reason why Kaminga and you know, isn't getting to all these minutes right it's about development it's about getting them ready it's such a mental boon when you can come in knowing what you're supposed to do and have success and it's so much worse for players to get thrown into a situation fail 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 and have that mentality washing over them consistently right you talk about wiggins and the conversation that they're talking about right now about how he's back to minnesota wiggins like you i'm sure he's thinking about it occasionally right but he has to keep the mentality of what he went through with the dallas series if he wants to have success so we can't just throw any of these kids under the bus we can't just say hey you need to succeed we have to develop them so i think you're on the money there man i think you got the right idea
0: yeah i and I think the funniest part is, too, now that I'm really looking at these players, is that Moses Brown is only, I think, like a year older than Christian Coloco. You know, nice. Christian Coloco did did the three years yep. at Arizona, whereas Moses Brown came right out of out of college I, I went to UCLA. Um, so I, he's bounced around a bit. He's had some decent G League stats. Um but I think he's never going to develop into like a top tier center at this point. I think when he went to the draft and because he's bounced around so much, that's probably hurt his development. And that's why I feel okay with inserting him into our lineup. He's a younger guy, you know, fits in with the age group. We can play him, you know, 20 minutes a night, maybe at most. Yeah. Um, and he provides us that option that, you know, you can play against Joel Embiid, that you can play against Nikola Jokic. Another tree to stash at, at Giannis, you know? Yes. Um, and then while Coloco's developing, you know, his three-point range and his, um, you know, scoring in the G League, that's kind of what I want to see.
1: Take, take the time, we'll right? Don't rush it. Yeah. Make it easy. I mean, the draft is only... Um, two weeks away. I just kind of realized that earlier this week that I was like, wow, the draft is happening so fast. So, I mean, it's going to... We'll, we'll have, so, hopefully, some kind of raptor, new Raptor to talk about this time in a few weeks, but we'll see. Hey, man. Hey.
0: As long as we get a new Raptor, and um, I think it's another reason why we got to draft Coloco. He's Cameroonian, man. Oh, yeah. P- it's in. Like, him and Pascal, Masai, like we got this, man. We can develop this man in the G League like we did with Pascal. Do it, man.
1: I mean, we've had a proven record so far that we're willing to, you know, give time and commitment to some players, right? I mean, on the other end of that coin is, you know, us talking about Terrence Davis earlier today and thinking about, oh, man, he's got the perfect archetype for our team, if only. But, hey, you gotta be a good human being to play in Canada. That's a rule.
0: Absolutely, man. And, don't even get me started on, on <laughs> TD man, because he was our missing piece this year in terms of you know roster. What was really ailing the Raptors all season? The lack of a, a steady backup guard who could provide defense and three point shooting. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. hopefully Justin Champagny will fill that role next I mean, year. Uh,
1: look at what Derek White's doing. It's, it's that simple. It's that easy to bring up a name, right? So, yeah, um, we'll see. Time will tell for the Raptors. I got nothing else on my mind, Matt. If you're ready, we can move to takes.
0: Yeah, man, I'm, I'm good to go to takes. Um, I think uh, we're going to start with some hockey. Uh, we're going to do, you know, the Rangers are going to be winning tonight. Uh, take that game five and, and probably what pushes them to, you know, the, the final because you 80% of teams that win game five go on to win the series so didn't you know fam oh, <laughs> and, <the> best
1: stat <sighs>
0: and GS man I think they're winning it tomorrow I think it goes 2-2 like you said flip-flop flip-flop but Boston's gonna pull it out in the end
1: that was takes <laughs> I mean guys all over the board I love it it's okay I'm gonna be pretty simple you know I, I've been talking about Golden State for weeks and it looks like they're going to let me down, and as you've heard all episode, I've already flipped towards Boston winning, so let's not worry about them. Let's talk about hockey. Let's pull out the take. It's, it's the NHL Finals around the corner. I don't need to know who the Abs are going to face. It's going to be Avs in six. Hopefully they're playing at home in game six, so it'll be exciting for the fans, but it's time. They're going to walk away with it.
0: Hey, man, I, I would be happy to see it.
1: I, I'd love to see Joe Sakic as a, um, as like a guy in the front GM. office get, getting it. You know, I think that'd be pretty special.
0: That and the fact that, like, their most important players are Canadian. Makar and McKinnon.
1: Hey! Oh, absolutely. All right, heard anything else from you?
0: No, nah, man, you're good to wrap this
1: up. Perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the TheBoardSports. And check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts.
0: And we'll talk to you next time.